0: Hi there, and welcome to PodRocket, a web development podcast brought to you by LogRocket. LogRocket helps software teams improve user experience with session replay, ever-tracking, and product analytics. Try it for free at LogRocket.com today. My name is Paul, and joined with us is Chris Ferdinand. He's here to talk to us about HTML web components. They've been around in the background for a while, and... They're coming more front and center, so excited to dig into that. Chris, he has written code everywhere. We're talking clients you've heard of from the moon, down to the earth, NASA. We could go on and on, but excited to get into it. Excited to pick your brain. Welcome to the show, Chris.
1: Paul, I forgot how much of a hype man you are, dude. Awesome. That's a great intro. Thank you so much. (laughs) If I'm ever having an off day, I need to call you up to have you like boost my ego back up a little bit. Thank you. Yeah, so web components aren't necessarily new. I think one of, the, one of the big things that's changed over the last, feels like just a couple of months, is the way people are thinking about them and their use. And so that's what, I'm, that's what I'm here to talk to you about today because they've been around for a while, but it feels like they're finally having their moment after being a largely ignored
0: technology for a while. We've talked about them in podcasts, for years, yeah, to your point, they've been around. Do you think it's like a culture shift that's getting into it? Is it a framework shift, technology shift? Like what Yeah, so I think it's a mindset shift. So the
1: it's still a technology that's being worked on, so there's new features coming all the time. But I shouldn't say all the time, it's the web, things move slowly. But the I think the big thing is for a while, so from when they first came out through maybe the end of last year, I think a lot of people thought about them as in the same way that you would think about a React or a Vue component. And by nearly every measure there, they were like a worse version of what you would get out of a library. If you bring a React mindset to how you work with web components, you're probably going to be disappointed. If you're working in React and that's what you need, you probably better serve just grabbing a React component. But where I think... Web components really shine is as a way to augment and enhance the HTML that's already in the browser. And so as a tool for authoring DOM manipulation libraries, and in particular progressively enhancing HTML, they do a fantastic job. They're probably the best tool for that job. And it was, let's see, when did he write his article? Sometime in the end of 2023, back in November, Jeremy Keith over at adactio.com, wrote an article about what he was calling HTML web components. And so it's this way of authoring web components where rather than generating all of the HTML with JavaScript, like you might with a React component, you wrap a web component around some HTML and then augment it. So like a really, I think, good example of this might be, let's say you have a collection of headings and content and you want to turn those into an accordion you might wrap those in an accordion group custom element. And once your JavaScript loads, it runs some DOM manipulation on the enclosed headings and content and turns them into an accordion setup where the header becomes an expand and collapse toggle that triggers the content after it. It it provides a really nice way to author DOM libraries. Web components have some amazing developer ergonomics built into them. And they just do a fantastic job for this type of thing. I think a lot of the kind of the frustration and resistance around them was like people using them like, okay, I'm going to generate all this HTML with them. And if you're going to do that, they really fall flat in a way that often requires libraries. But as a progressive enhancement tool, they are awesome. So to answer your actual question, I think the big change here was a mindset shift, having Jeremy and then some other people start to articulate like a different way of approaching how you use them. It's, oh, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. And we can dig into some of the awesome like, features web components have that make them particularly well-suited for this type of thing.
0: Do you feel like web components wrap up or bundle a lot of the best practices that you natively find in HTML? And that's what makes them such a good like, progressive tool For the progressive enhancement, I meant to say, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think for me, where they really do a great job is I give you a bunch of stuff for free that you would otherwise... So I'm thinking about like a... We'll go back to that accordion example, right? If I were authoring that as a traditional JavaScript library, you would load your JavaScript file and then you'd have to instantiate it, usually using some sort of constructor function. So like new accordion group and I would pass in a selector for the stuff that I want to target to be included in this particular instantiation. I might pass in an object of some options. And then sometimes you even have to do something like run an initialization function after you've created your object. But with Web Components, you don't have to do any of that. As long as the element is in the DOM and you've included the JavaScript file, a bunch of stuff just happens for you. So instantiation happens automatically. You get out-of-the-box scoping. So rather than having to find a bunch of elements and target them and maybe even pass in a specific selector, so let's say I have multiple accordions on the page, I don't have to say these accordions are one group, those are another. Just having them wrapped in that element inherently does that. And if you want to pass in options and configurations, you can do that declaratively in the HTML rather than just in JavaScript. And in my opinion, that makes them both easier to author and easier to use differently in various places in your html rather than having to run multiple instantiations with different options you just slap a few attributes on your html and as an author looking at that markup i can see just by looking at it what it does how it might be different from other ones in the page even having those html like custom element wrappers gives you a really good sense of what's happening in your markup so yeah i just in my opinion they do a lot of really great stuff out of the box they also have uh, web components have built-in methods for detecting when elements enter or leave the DOM, when attributes change. You can even detect when they're loaded or defined with CSS and toggle different styles and things based on whether the JavaScript has loaded and defined that element or not. So you just you have a lot of flexibility in terms of how you how you use them
0: in your projects. And flexibility is one of those things that is. Typically a poster child of a lot of features, people love to talk about how flexible they are. But like if you go to a VC and you tell them my thing is flexible and very custom, like the word custom is gonna make them run away with like with their hands in their pockets, like, please don't touch me, please don't touch me. <laughs> so if you were to take customization and you wanna like wrangle it into an actual palatable, like set of tools that you can work with, do you feel like that customizability freestands as like something that people can just like out the gate, start making a very responsive application with web components? Or do you see like a framework still playing a role to wrangle that together?
1: So it depends. It depends on what you're trying to do. And the other thing I think worth noting here, one of the other big wins on web components is portability. So because they are a platform native thing, you can write a component as a web component and then drop it into a React project, drop it into a Vue project. I think the other big win here is if you're someone who builds, for example, design systems, and you're working at a company where you might have a bunch of different teams all using this system that use different tooling depending on what products that they work on, being able to write this thing once and then have it used everywhere versus maintaining Vue versions, React versions, really great. Where Web Components, I think, still need some help is around things like DOM diffing. So because there's no browser native way to say, here's an HTML string, here's an existing set of DOM, make it look like this. There's no native way to do that. If you're trying to handle that inside your web component, you're stuck either using traditional DOM manipulation or you're going to drop a library under the hood as, as a way to handle that for you. I think the nice thing about web components is they make that an implementation detail rather than something the developer has to worry about. But I also think that if you're loading a web component that loads React under the hood, you're potentially doing it wrong, I think. In that situation, you're almost better off just making it a React component. But yeah, on the whole, I think that web components are well past production ready at this point. I think they're, for me, I've actually started converting a bunch of my old projects over to web components because I just find them such a better way to author code and also manage code as someone who has to go in and frequently update things and change things They just make the whole developer experience a lot nicer than it was historically.
0: So we've talked a little bit about some of the flexibility of web components. Chris, you're you're raving about them. I want to hear about where they are in the wild. If I want to go look at them and and some examples, before we do that though, uh, because I know people want to hear about examples, just want to remind everybody that this podcast is brought to you by LogRocket. So for your web application, if you want to debug user sessions, have heat maps and really get to the core of issues of what might be bothering your conversion rates and how much your users like your app, should check out LogRocket because they have a bunch of these features, including AI driven tools to find and surface issues faster. So you can spend more time building and less time in the console, our favorite place to be. So head over to LogRocket.com today and check it out for free. So Chris, turning back to web components, if we want to take an example of where these are in the wild, is there like a a website where I can play with it or something like CSS Froggy... (laughs)
1: Uh, yeah, no, I, I sorry. I actually thought you were going with it in a different direction with this question. So I thought we were asking: Are there places where people are already using these in
0: large? And that I would love to know about that as well. Yeah. So from
1: uh, where you can play with them, I so I, honestly, I think one of the one of the best places to do this, if if you're looking for like a quick free resource, so the Mozilla De- Developer Network has a a whole section on working with web components. I have a bunch of articles on my website. So if you head over to com slash podrocket, you'll find a bunch of links to those articles that you can go grab, including downloadable source code and some examples that you can play with. One of the, I think one of the things to just be wary of as you start digging into this is a lot of the tutorials immediately jump into the shadow DOM. I think this is where Web Components got a lot, bit of a bad reputation, right? Is a lot of, there was a lot of focus really early on about the shadow DOM and being able to put all of your code in the separate DOM that's isolated from the main DOM so styles won't bleed in and JavaScript can't like touch the elements. And that's also where a lot of the pain and frustration of web components comes from because it makes them way harder to style than they should be and can create all sorts of weird accessibility issues. And frankly, it's just overkill for most projects. It's just, it's not needed. But yeah, to answer your actual question, Mozilla Developer Network or com slash podrocket. But in terms of if you wanted to actually see these in action, there are a ton of really big names that are using and have been using web components in production for a while. Um, So one of the most notable is Salesforce. They've been using web components for years as part of both their marketing site and, and their app. Google has been another really big adopter of web components. You can find them on YouTube. You can find them in various other apps of theirs as well. Oh, Photoshop was the other one that caught me by surprise, actually. So the web version of Photoshop is making heavy use of web components as well. Oh, no way. Theirs happen to be lit flavored. So lit is this tool that you can use to, it's like a framework for building web components. I am, for those of you who know me, I'm the vanilla JS guy. I prefer platform native over libraries whenever I can. And so for me, lit is just not my cup of tea, but I know a lot of folks who use it and find it really helpful and more quickly authoring authoring web components. I don't love it because I feel like it locks you into this vendor for life, but it does have some really nice features built in, which might be useful to some folks. Microsoft is also making really heavy use of web components. GitHub used to, since they did their whole big like rewrite with React, I'm not sure if they still are or not. I have to dig into the source code. But I know at one point they were using web components quite a bit.
0: Chris, if we could look at one of the examples you just mentioned, I'm curious how web components... Whether we have this new mentality about them now or not, like historically how they affect a project's development, like if you were new to web components and you're like, this fit in my project, how does this potentially benefit a project that's already standing because Salesforce wasn't built in a day? I'm curious how web components in their ecosystem benefited or changed the way they kind of operated.
1: Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. So if you, I I can't necessarily speak to what Salesforce does behind the scenes, but if you head over to developer.salesforce.com and dig into their component library over there, they just have a ton. So their design system is built with web components. And so they have a ton of web components that, they use. One of them, for example, I've just clicked in on, so they have a carousel component. And so the way that works is you define a custom element as a wrapper, and then each of your images is also a custom element that has some attributes on it, like image source and header. And they're using theirs a little bit less like an HTML uh, web component setup and more like, you know, generating a lot of markup with HTML. And I think sometimes that's appropriate too. You can mix and match these things throughout a project. But if you're looking for like, I really want to dig in and see a bunch of these in action, developer.salesforce.com is probably a great place to do that. They just have a ton of examples with the markup right there for you to take a look at.
0: Okay, so it sounds like a big resource continually is MDN. They're big proponents of getting the info out on web components, as they are with everything, but good resource to go check out. In terms of integrating with an existing framework, let's say you're already in the React ecosystem, and you have a very well-written app, and you want to try out web components. Is that a good idea to even begin with?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You can absolutely do that. So because web components are just HTML, and React renders HTML, you can absolutely grab a web component, drop it in your React app, render it out as part of the React process. I forget if there's something special you need to do in React or not to make sure it doesn't So what you don't want to do is you don't want React or Vue or whatever to start diffing the internals of your web component because the web component manages its own internal state. I know with Vue, they automatically ignore web components, so they'll render them but not diff them. I can't remember if React does that for you or if you have to set some flag to make sure... It doesn't do that, but you can just drop them in your project and start using them. It's a really nice way to start dipping your toes in the web component waters without necessarily going all in. And that is one of, I think, one of the big selling points of web components is you can mix and match them with whatever tool or library you need to.
0: And do you feel like when you drop it into a React app, you are going to end up abstracting more state from React into the web component? Over time?
1: For me, when you start working with web components, I think it's useful to not think about them the same way that you would approach a React project. So you can use them in React, but I wouldn't necessarily think about the internals the same way. So it's not, this is where I think a lot of people resisted against them originally. So, like the idea that you are going to pass down a whole bunch of state that gets inherited by all these child components, and that's just not where web components really shine. Where I think, they're useful is you could have some React state that controls something about the web component. And that gets applied as attributes on the component. And from there, the web component takes over and can do whatever it wants with those attributes. One of the nice things that web components give you out of the box is they can detect attribute changes and react to them. Much in the same way that if you have a dialogue element or a details and summary element and you add the open attribute it opens up the modal or exposes the content inside that details and summary element. You can author your web components in the same way, where changing different attributes or values of those attributes in some way affects the content that's displayed inside. So the way I would envision this being interacted with inside a React app would be that you're using React state to change attributes on the web component, and then the web component takes over and does its own thing.
0: Gotcha, so the the attributes are like the glue layer here.
1: Yes. The main reason for that is because while you use JavaScript to define them, and you can use JavaScript to render content inside them, web components are an HTML-first technology. And so the paradigms, the methodology, the way you approach them is with an HTML mindset. And that's largely driven by, by attributes, classes, IDs, and like, custom attributes, and things like that.
0: Now, earlier on, you mentioned the shadow DOM and how maybe it misled some folks as the (laughs) shadow within the context of react here do you end up dealing with the so-called complexities of the shadow dom and if not where does the shadow dom start to come into play for a series component developer
1: yeah great question so i largely and so not just me but people who are big on the idea of what i'm calling html web components i think Many of us view the Shadow DOM as almost an anti-pattern. So it's not that you never want to use it, but it's generally the choice of last resort because it solves a lot of problems that don't often come up, but introduces a whole bunch of other problems that you then have to work around. And the alternative is to generally keep everything in The light DOM. So, just to talk definitions for a second. So, the shadow DOM is inside a web component or a custom element. The shadow DOM is just like the regular DOM, except it's isolated. It's its own separate kind of thing. Like the document object model you have in the browser, you get another one that's scoped to this component. And You can render HTML, render styles in there, but it remains isolated from the main DOM. The alternative, what I think a lot of us are starting to advocate for more, is to keep all of your HTML inside the light DOM so they just become nested elements within the custom element without being scoped inside the shadow DOM. I have not seen many web components where I think the shadow DOM is the right place for things, I think the one exception is Zach Leatherman created a web component whose name is escaping me right now, but it basically provided a, or provides a way for you to wrap like a faux browser around an image. So if you wanted to, if you took a screenshot of a page and then you wanted to make it look like it was in a browser, it just provides a little bit of like markup around it. So it looks like the screenshot of the web page is inside a browser and it has options for make it look like Chrome, like Firefox, like IE, whatever. And in his app or in his component, he actually mix and matches the light DOM and the shadow DOM because you can use them together. So he, he keeps the browser Chrome or the browser frame stuff in the shadow DOM so that your global CSS doesn't in any way like mess with it. But all of the actual content is in the Light DOM so that you don't run into any of the accessibility issues, so that you can easily style it if you'd like to. And that, for me, I think was a really smart use of Shadow versus Light DOM. Generally speaking, though, I think Shadow DOM is honestly more trouble than it's worth. And whether you're using React or anything else, it's just its its own little thing within the web component.
0: I mean, opinions are good. They help people look in a direction. Because if there's one thing that is of the day and age, it's information overload. And sometimes being told, look in this direction and try learning it this way is very helpful. So, yeah,
1: I think one of the frustration points with web components right now is that some of the best features of web components are only available when you use the shadow DOM. Things like templating, being able to use slots to have some default content that can be easily overridden by markup that the user generates those are Shadow DOM features. There is some spec work going on right now to bring those to the Light DOM, and I think that will be a huge win. But I, I think one of the things you saw happen is there was a lot of tutorials that talked about Shadow DOM. People would use it. They'd be like, oh, wow, I cannot style my content. This sucks. We're going to use all these hacks and workarounds to make my HTML look the way I want. And it just, it yeah, it ends up being a lot harder than it needs to be. So my recommendation, if you're getting into web components just avoid the shadow DOM unless there's a compelling reason to actually use it. There's usually not. Every now and then there are, but generally speaking, it's just not necessary.
0: Now, before I turn to resources, I, we hinted at them earlier, but once again, like if people are used to seeing Shad, CN, Material UI, these component libraries, what are is out there akin to that, where people can pull from boilerplate and poke around.
1: Uh, Great question. Actually, if you want to see examples of this, so if you go to gomakethings.com slash toolkit, I have a growing library of web components that are actual web components I use on my own website, on projects I build for clients. Some of them are really simple. So if you just want to download the source code and break them and see what happens and start playing around, that is a great way to start digging in. Zach Leatherman, who I mentioned earlier, he has been been pulling together a bunch of resources around web components as well. I'm actually looking on his website, trying to see if I can figure out where he put that repository because he had been starting to collect them and I forget where it ended up but i will make sure that gets added to the gomakethings.com/podrocket resource page so when you're watching this later you can find it and paul i'll make sure i send that to you as well so we can drop it in the show notes and those are probably the two biggest resources that i know of i'm sure there are a ton more out there if you start searching for web components on github you're going to find a bunch more and if you're looking to see them as part of a comprehensive design system i think developer.salesforce.com is a really good kind of place to start digging around there's also this other kind of interesting tool shoelace.style is basically like a bootstrap-ish kind of ui framework but it uses web components instead of just traditional elements and classes i have mixed feelings about it but it's an interesting way to see web components in action if you want to play around with them a bit more yeah they're just they're, they're all over the place now at this point
0: are you finding that people are gravitating towards a central style in the way that these are arch- architects from the ground up? Are you going to find a lot of more congruency between one GitHub project to the next versus like Shad CN to Material UI. I'm just like pulling those as my two posters. Oh
1: uh, yeah, that's, and that's totally fine. Yeah, so I not yet. And I honestly, I think as a platform native tool, you're probably going to see some conventions emerge, but I don't think you're going to see universal consistency, much in the same way that you still have some people who write function declarations, some people who write arrow functions, some people who mix and match, some people who always use const, some people who favor let, some people who still use var. Semicolons versus not. It's just one of those things where like it all works. So you're probably going to see a lot of, maybe some best practices and then a lot of deviation from those. But one thing I do think you're going to start to see more of is a drift away from the shadow DOM and generating all the things with HTML into an approach that more augments HTML and what's already in the page rather than just creating it all from scratch.
0: Last but not least, Chris. So you have let's go make things.com. Is that the website? I, it's go make gomakethings.com. Go make things.com. Go make, things.com. Go make things.com. And on there, you listed that's one resource for the web components, just wrapping it up with the list of things. So we got go make slash pod rocket. And then we got gomakethings.com/slash/toolkit,
1: which you can find right in the main nav. So that's just that's right up there. That's got a, a web component library with about almost a dozen web components now that you can just go download and, and play with. Shoelace dot style I think is another really great resource. If you wanted to see like a I'll call it an industrial web component system in action, developer.salesforce.com has their their component library which just has. I'm scrolling through now, just dozens, maybe nearly like a hundred web components for you to dig into. Oh, wow. Actually, even more than that. Just a lot of web components. And yeah, Zach Leatherman maintains a list. I'm going to make sure I find it and get it to you so we can drop it in the show notes as well, because he had been compiling them and dropping them all over the web. Oh, here we go. Actually, I found it. It's on his website. So it is Zach Leet. L-E-A-T dot com slash web slash library web components. And there's a handful of them there as well. He's continuing to grow that out over time.
0: Awesome. Thank you for the resources, Chris, because like just looking at code, it's like arguably the best way to learn, so.
1: Absolutely. And then you download these things, load them up, play with them, change them, break them, see if you can put it back together again. In my opinion, that is the best way to
0: learn. Chris, it's been a pleasure once again being able to host you, have you on the podcast. Thank you for your time. And hope to have you on again. Oh, before we go, what is your Twitter in case people want to keep up or Mastodon?
1: Ah, yeah, I am not on Twitter anymore. I left the Nazi platform, but if you want to find me, I'm I'm on mastodon.social at C Ferdinandi. There's a link to that over at gomakethings.com as well. So if you had to gomakethings.com slash podrocket, you can
0: find me there. Awesome. Thank you so much again, Chris. It's been a pleasure.
1: Great being here. Thanks so much, Paul.